Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You are about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Alan and Sports Talk Are you ready for it? Now, here is Alan and Aaron. Welcome, everybody, to another great episode of the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. I'm Alan, and today we're doing something real spectacular for you. We're actually going face, we're going YouTube Live as well as we're going on the Blog Talk. So you can feel free to call in 516-418-5572, 516-418-5572. Today we're making history because we're also not in a... In addition to going YouTube Live for the very first time, we're actually going to go ahead and debut a song. That's right. We're going to debut a song for you here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show. The name of the song is Let's Watch Some Football, song by Sam Scala. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and do that. Sam Scola, I beg your pardon. Sam Scola, I want to make sure I got that right. But he went ahead and asked us to go ahead and play a song. We're going to do that. We're going to do that at the time, and that's going to be, we're going to talk football. That's going to be about 15 minutes from now. So just be patient. We're going to go ahead and play that song for the first time ever. And if you guys have any questions, feel free to use the chat. Feel free to call us. I definitely want to also go ahead and thank our great sponsor for today, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting. You may need a support group. So I want to thank Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce for being our great sponsor. Please feel free to pick up a four-pack at flbbqsauce.com. Again, that's flbbqsauce.com. The link will be below in this uh, YouTube you know, chat, so you'll get a chance to see that too. But definitely, during the holidays, you can't go wrong with some barbecue sauce. There's four different flavors. And go ahead and pick up one of the four or all four. And the show is not going to be the same unless we have our great, great co-host. His name is Aaron. So I'm bringing Aaron on right now. How are you doing so far today, Aaron? Doing great. Uh, this is an exciting, uh, exciting history-making show here for us, Alan, tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. I'm doing well. You know, I'm, I'm excited for our, you know, our, our definitely for Sam. I'm excited for us. I'm excited for the listeners and the viewers. I'm excited to be here tonight i'm sure you are too yeah this is really exciting uh for sure i mean obviously uh to to see one of our faces uh you know here this evening i wish that i had the configuration right now to be able to do the same thing unfortunately my technology didn't uh didn't allow me to do that here tonight but nonetheless uh you are one of the two faces of our show so this is a really exciting time and i can't wait to uh to see how this transpires for us going forward too in uh, in some of our future ventures but this is a really exciting time this evening here. I can't uh, can't understate that enough. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you're right. You're absolutely right to go YouTube live for the first time, and on top of that, to be debuting a song. Let's watch some football. I mean, that's going to be fantastic. We're going to go ahead and do this show big time. In fact, we got our first call on the line. Let's go ahead and take the take the call. Evening, goes. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing so far tonight? All right. You just see what you just see what when I'm on camera. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. How you doing so far tonight, Lou? Other than that, fine. Because I've been on camera now for the last uh, two years now. Oh boy. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. Yes. Definitely a lot has changed in you know in sports. You know, I wanted to go ahead and get your thoughts sure. on first and foremost the fact that Fred Crime Dog McGriff got his Hall of Fame induction. What are your thoughts about you know Crime it's Dog about Fred? Time. <laughs> I know, right? So long. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it's one of those things that I was surprised it took this long. But yeah. it's better late than never. It's better late than never. And it's it's also That's even true. better with, with Cooperstown that he made it and he's still living. Unfortunately, there has been some right. members of the Hall of Fame that have made it while they passed. So it's that he got a chance to enjoy it. And he's uh, he's been smiling ever since they made the announcement. I don't blame him to get congratulations to Fred McGriff for getting inducted. Let me give him a round of applause. Yeah. Well deserved and he got a unanimous vote, sixteen, sixteen to sixteen. So for anybody to get something like that here in in America and anything, it, it's really remarkable, you know? So yes. I'm happy for him. I'm very, very happy for him. I'm glad he got it. It's it's uh it's a great thing for baseball. What are your thoughts on it, Aaron? Well, you know my thoughts on it, uh, from last week's discussion. Uh Fred McGriff I thought was of all the individuals on that list, um, taking into account their statistics, what they've done for the game, uh, and then also um, not being in that realm of, you know, the suspected cheaters, I I felt like he was the most um, deserving of them all. And this is a guy that I watched as a a kid. I mean, when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, you know, for several years, uh, excellent player, very consistent hitter, excellent defensive first baseman, you know, First base is really a left-handed throwing position, and Fred McGriff played it to a T there. Um, so I, you know, one thing that Fred McGriff uh, has always, uh, one thing that's always strike me rather about Fred McGriff is, no matter what the situation, you always have seen him, whether he was with the Braves or Cubs or when he was in Tampa, he always had a smile on his face. And that smile, I don't know if you noticed it this week or not, is just a little bit bigger than it's always been in the past. So definitely very happy for Fred. Yeah. I, 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 um, you know, obviously I followed Atlanta for 30 years myself and he came to Atlanta 93, turned the Braves around. They got red hot and he was one of my favorite players uh, growing up. So to see him finally get that, that, uh, you know, election and for it to also be unanimous. I mean, to me, that's probably just as important as anything because these were, you know, I think it was seven former players. If I remember correctly on the, on the, um, of the, of the voters rather so to have your have players that are in the hall of fame already your peers for the most part some of these guys you've played against many many times to give you that nod hey you're going to get in and then you had of course uh, some executives uh, that were on there as well and a couple of riders i like the way this was done this was really really well done and, and fred mcgriff was very very well deserving of it and i'm looking forward yeah. to watching next summer in cooperstown in late july when he gets that induction and, you know, just very, very happy for him. And I'm really hoping that we can get him uh, at some point on the show. I know he's a Tampa native. Um, I know he actually works in, in the Braves organization at this point doing, um, I believe it's player development uh, research, that kind of thing. Um, so he's kind of in a, a behind the scenes role now, but 
still one of those guys that seems like, you know, if you run into him, he's going to, he's going to talk to you. He's going to, you know, give you words of encouragement and, you know, still a guy that I really admire a lot. And I, I definitely think, uh, you know, yeah. guy that really, if, if he hadn't gotten the nod, I will say this too, if he hadn't got it, I know he would have been disappointed, but it wasn't going to change who he was. He's, he's a very positive person. So, um, but I, I couldn't be more, I, I told Alan this this week in uh, in a text message. I said, of all the players that I have ever seen in my lifetime get elected into the Hall of Fame, Fred McGriff is the one that I am most happy for because he waited yeah. so long. This should have happened five, ten years ago easily. So um, definitely very, um, very happy. I, I really can't put it into any better words than that. So, No, you're absolutely right. I agree. And for the listeners who are viewers who are watching, I actually have – the pleasure of meeting Fred Griff. I was at a Derek mm. Brooks celebrity charity event and he was there. This was during the summertime. So really approachable guy. I, you know, I asked him for a photo and most people would have been like, well, this guy's not a hall of fame. And why should I take a photo with him? But that's not how I think. And that's how I look at it. I went ahead and asked him. He was so gracious, so kind uh, to go ahead and take the picture with me. I really appreciate it. He is a Tampa native. For those who don't know, you can go ahead and go to the Tampa Baseball Museum in Ebor at Al Lopez House, and you'll see a signed baseball from Fred McGriff, Fred Crimerell McGriff, really nice guy. We do love to have him on the show. I did invite him on the show and gave him my card, but we will follow up with him to hopefully get him on the show and get his thoughts on him making it to Cooperstown. Well-deserved. I think the fact, I agree with you, Lou, the fact that he made it unanimous, I think, made up for the years that he didn't yeah. get it. I, I totally agree with you because, you know, the fact that you got a unanimous vote in anything here in America, I hate to say it, is just yeah. amazing. People have different opinions of just yeah. about everything. And the fact that you got a unanimous, which I wasn't expecting a unanimous vote from anybody. Even if you were Barry or those other guys, I would expect it a unanimous vote. So that is very impressive. Yeah. Lou, I did want to get your thoughts on that too, though, is how does the fact that Fred McGriff was the only person who got inducted, and of course it was unanimous, as we mentioned, what are the chances yeah. now for Barry, Pete, and Roger going forward, those three? Well, the committee is you know, kind of setting their ways. I think the only way that they, if they do get in, I'm afraid it's going to be posthumously. I mean, they won't, they won't forgive, you know, the, the damage they've done. For people who betting on his own team, and, of course, Bonds and those are, you know, involved with the, with the steroid era. As long as it's like that, they'll never let him in. Yeah, that, that definitely is. Very, it's very hard to change, to change their minds. You know, they once they make up their minds, they stick with it. Now, if it does, if it does come to you know getting in, they'll have to do it when they're long gone, which is a shame, because it's a shame that you know they couldn't do it while they're alive. But you know, I think it's what's going to have to take uh, for them to get inducted. It's a sad statement, but that's how it's going to be. Yeah, definitely. That that makes a lot of sense. In fact, I wanted to get your thoughts on that too, Aaron. What are your thoughts on Barry, Pete? and Roger going forward as a result of this, this voting? Well, I would say this. The, the, the Pete Rose part of this is still to be determined. Uh, obviously, he wasn't on the ballot this time. 
he hasn't been made eligible. So that still gives him some hope. Um, I think that's probably a discussion for another time. But I think as far as Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are concerned, I would honestly consider this. They've locked the door, and the key has now been thrown away, never to be found. I, I do not think at this point uh, – you look at it two ways. The, the, the riders uh, who are – you know, they're riders. I forget the exact number. But if, if they haven't put them in, and both of those guys are on the ballot for 10 years, they dropped off, of course, after not getting in after that senior period, which is the way the rule is set up. If the riders didn't put these guys in, and then you have a, a group of your own peers – and again, those Hall of Fame players that I mentioned before, you know, I think Chipper Jones actually was out. He, he had an illness that kept him from being able to participate. But yeah. nonetheless, you have, got, you know, Greg Maddox and several other former big league players that played in that same era. If you have those guys all, for the most part, basically shutting out Bonds and Clemens, I think that's pretty, pretty set in stone right there. That it, It's not going to happen. Um, and this yeah. will be kind of like what we talked about uh, last week or the week before, where you look at somebody like Shoeless Joe Jackson, a hundred years plus later, after the events that took place that, that got him banned for life from playing and from being eligible for the Hall of Fame, a hundred years from now, our ancestors will be talking about this same thing, along with some guy named Shoeless Joe from a hundred years prior. Um, that's mm-hmm. just the way I think it's going to go. By numbers, strictly by numbers, by nothing else. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens belong in the Hall of Fame, but there's always that, okay, you read between the lines. And in this case, both of those guys, there was such a cloud of uh, suspicion around them. Um, it's always going to be an interesting topic because, kind of like you said, Alan, you know, you, you're going to have people who are going to debate both sides of it. And you could, you could you, honestly, you could find merits on both sides, I think, for why you should and why you shouldn't. But here's some additional names I want to throw in there, too. Rafael Palmeira didn't get in. Um, nope. Even though these two guys were not on the list, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, both of those guys have great career home run numbers, yeah. but obviously they're right in the thick of this as well. Those guys are not in. And I'll add a couple other names here. A-Rod will never get in. <laughs> I think that's pretty nope. pretty clear. I mean, probably as, as big a cheater as there's ever been. Um, and then I'll throw in guys like Manny Ramirez who failed multiple uh, PED tests. Um, those are guys that I don't believe you'll ever see um, – reach the, the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Shame, you know? And sometimes uh, right. when you when you are highly suspected of having done something, it wasn't just, uh, you know, a little talk here, a little talk there, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I think that's the price that they are going to pay for, uh, for, you know, what they were accused of. So I think this is the end of their chapter, and I don't think there'll be another one written for them. Yeah, yeah I... Unfortunately, I do agree. I think it, it was a clean to me a clear statement across the board that if you have any suspicion of anything at this point, I agree with Lou and I agree with you, Aaron. It's pretty much a wrap. The fact that neither one of them got five votes, yeah. it, it's it's they're sending a message very very clear. And I think it was more clear now than it was even to the other prior votes because it was less people and a lot of these people, a lot of them were players. So they were Hall of Famers themselves. So I, I think it's a wrap for those those two. I think Pete Rose, it's probably a wrap for him. And Shoeless Joe Jackson, man, I kind of wish he didn't get caught up into what he did. I really do. Yeah. I, I do the same for Pete, but I just think I, I feel bad for Shoeless Joe Jackson. I, I kind of do. I have a little bit more 
it wasn't it was a one time thing and you got caught. So Yeah. Speaking of that, Lou hey, what do you got cooking on your show this weekend? Yeah. Yeah, it's always like it's also breaking us in two. Oh, wrong Joe Jackson, sorry. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. For some for you older people like me, you might get that for the younger generation. I'm not gonna discuss it. Anywho. <laughs> um we do have the we do have the um uh, baseball uh, wrap up with the winter meetings because uh, there have been some interesting trades that have been and uh, re-signs, as the case may be. Especially if you're a Met fan, boy, you with the jackpot this week. Uh, we'll continue on with the World Cup. Yeah, if you missed today's games, shame on you. Um, the college football awards and your last minute predictions for the Heisman because that's tomorrow. So don't okay. forget about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you guys call in, I want your predictions. And of course, we'll go through part one of the bowl games. I am not going to go through all 367 in one show. Forget it. So, if you got time between four and six tomorrow, remember that's four to six Eastern time. Number to call is five one two five four three four six six two. Once again, five one two five four three four six six two. It's our last two shows of the season uh, tomorrow and next week because I am. For crying out, I'm not doing a show on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. What are you, nuts? You have me nuts to do that. So we're ending this show earlier this year. Well, of course, uh, you know, being at Christmas and New Year's on the side of this year, I couldn't bring myself to do it. So if you want to get your chance in before we sign up for the rest of the year, call within the next two weeks. I'm glad to hear from you. The more the merrier. All right. Sounds great, Lou. That's for those who missed that number, 512-543. Four six six two, and it's five one two five four three four six six two. Really appreciate. And remember, lo- you have nothing to lose except your self-respect, dignity, pride, nerve. Nothing else important, though. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I lost my mind four years ago when I joined this office. Yeah. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you, Lou. That's Lou. Four to six p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone tomorrow. And we definitely appreciate you tremendously, Lou. Hope that you have a blessed week. You're very welcome. I will. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye now. All right, our good buddy Lou there. Thank you for uh, joining us here tonight. And, again, we always encourage those who listen to uh, our show. Uh, And, of course, uh, Lou has done a great job supporting our program for the last uh, two years or so. Uh, We certainly encourage everyone to, uh, to listen in to the Enhanced Sports Show Saturday nights between 4 and 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, very entertaining stuff there on his end uh, as well. So we're going a little bit differently here tonight, Alan, than we normally do. Um, where are we going next here? You, you lead the way. Yeah. <laughs> sure thing. No problem. We actually got a call on the line. Let's bring them on the line. Welcome to the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. How you doing? Hi, my name's Alan. I'm doing great. How are you guys tonight? Doing wonderful. Thank you for asking. Really appreciate you calling in. Great. So uh, I'm actually a football coach out here in Pennsylvania, and um, I, I just I've been listening to you guys' show for a while, and uh, I wanted to ask, how long have you guys been in the business? I'll let that's you a answer question. that one. Out. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's a good, good, good question. Uh, we've been uh, started out in I believe it was February of 2020. Um, so I always tell people, and I tell them that we have a podcast that we picked. 2020, which turned out to be probably one of the worst years to start a sports podcast with the pandemic sure. 
basically starting about the same time that we uh, got this thing kicked off and we really didn't know what we were doing and we've gotten to this point almost three years later and we're very very fortunate um, alan is very talented and creative um, a lot of things in that area i lack i'm still trying to catch up there with him in that area so um, but we've um, we've had a lot of fans we've had a lot of people who have uh, given us a lot of words of encouragement and uh, it's just something we really enjoy doing so um, but yeah awesome. not quite three years or about to be into our fourth year and if you were to go back and listen to where we were at I think it was March of 2020 I think it was when we recorded our first show we actually used to record these and then upload them and then you know play them out I think around the same time on a Friday night um, quality has certainly grown. It's gone from infancy to, I guess you could say we're toddlers now. Um, <laughs> we're going to get to adulthood at some point. So, um, but you know, it, it has been, uh, great to do. And, and we love having people like yourself, uh, call in and you said your name is uh, Alan as well. Is that right? Yeah. My name is Alan. Uh, I'm, I'm a football coach out here in Pennsylvania. And, um, I actually had some really good news for you guys. So I've been listening to you guys' show for a while. And um, I'm actually, um, and, and you know, in between my duties as a uh, high school teacher and a football coach, I, I actually have a, a foundation that helps, um, you know, inner city children. And um, I kind of, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to break it to you on air that I wanted to sponsor your radio show. That's awesome. Oh, wow. That is yeah. awesome. We are very happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. We definitely yeah, appreciate yeah, that. No, I, yeah, no, I, I, I just, you know, I really think it's going to be a huge opportunity. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, I just, I, I really appreciate your guys' take on, it's just, you know, I, I just think it's kind of unique and I, you know, I really appreciate it. So, um, um, in any case, um, I wanted to officially welcome you um, as being uh, sponsored by the Jerry Sandusky Foundation. Uh, and I wanted to thank you very much for your uh, efforts um, into, you know, uh, really uh, adapting to the spirit of Jerry Sandusky. Um, so I wanted to thank you guys publicly on the air, um, you know, for being basically representing everything that Jerry Sandusky stands for. And I wanted to thank you very much. All right. Well, we'll take uh, take that as it was. That was a little bit of a, a good news and prank call at the end there. So, uh, but thank <laughs> you uh, for giving us a, a ring here this evening. We don't mind that, uh, but I do want to say this: we do not stand for anything that uh, Jerry Sandusky stands for. And we'll move right along to the next topic here this evening. So, Alan, what is next on yeah. the topic here tonight? No problem. Actually, we're going to go ahead and do something now. We're going to do a moment of silence for the late great legend boxing legend referee mills lane who unfortunately passed away this week so we're going to go ahead and pay our respects to the legend referee mills lane and we're going to have a moment of silence and then continue All right, so that is a moment of silence we are doing for the late, great boxing legend, referee Mills Lane. He uh, was an outstanding referee that boxed, and you know, he went ahead and was in a lot of championship fights. Unfortunately, he passed away. You know, there's been so many great memories 
of Mills Lane, but one that comes up in particular was when he actually was the referee against Mike Tyson and Buster Douglas. And the way that fight went about, one of the huge, the biggest upsets I've ever seen in my life and still haven't topped that. But the thing that really stood out about that fight was the fact of how much the man cared. And he's, he's definitely going to be lost and, and missed. So definitely Mills Lane. want to give him his props. What are your thoughts on, on Mills Lane, Aaron? Well, you know, I, I I think of him. He was almost as big a name as some of the boxers in 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 the fights that he did. Um, I believe he was the referee uh, in 1997 uh, in the match between Tyson and Holyfield, if I remember correctly. Um, obviously, he got really involved in trying to keep the peace between the two of them. And uh, you know, obviously, we all know what happened after that. Um, he was a judge as well. Uh, a lot of people don't uh, may, may have forgotten that at one point along the way, he had a show that was similar to like a Judge Judy. It was Judge Mills Lane, and he had a really interesting personality. Uh, seemed like a guy that you'd want to run into and talk to. He seemed like he'd probably talk your ear off, which is a good thing. So uh, he'll definitely be missed. I know that um, you know I posted some stuff online here about him whenever the uh, passing occurred. I think it was probably. Monday or Tuesday of this week. And um, I remember <laughs> a guy who also, I think had a sense of humor about himself too. I remember there was a, a show in the mid to late nineties on MTV called celebrity Deathmatch, And it was basically, you know, celebrities from different walks of life. And it was like claymation. And he was always a referee on there and he always uh, had some funny comments to make. So um, definitely going to be a, a person who's going to be missed. He, he certainly was a larger than life uh, figure. And, you know, um, you know, he, he did a great job at what he, uh, what he did and accomplished and definitely, um, you know, sad to hear that he has passed away, unfortunately at age uh, 85 here earlier this week. Yes, indeed. He's definitely going to be missed. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a man that was awesome at what he did, but a great guy, both in and out of the ring. So we definitely miss Mills Lane and we wanted to make sure he paid his respects. But he, here now, we're going to go ahead and talk a bit about football. Football, folks. So, since we're going to be talking about football, before we can do that, we're going to go ahead and now give, on the first time on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk radio show, a debut song written by Sam Scola, the debut of Let's Watch Some Football. Again, that's Let's Watch Some Football. I'm going to play that right now for all you, and let's go ahead and hear it. Score a touchdown. Let's watch. 
Um, I think this is a guy going places. No guarantee he's going to win. Obviously, it's it's you know still trial and error type, uh, type of thing. But if you look at what he did at a, a smaller school that didn't have uh, maybe the reputation that a, some of the bigger schools have, Jackson State there, he proved at consider a lower-level school that he can turn a school around. He actually uh, last year had the number one recruit in the entire country flip from, I believe it was Florida State, and go to Jackson State. So he's proven that he can flip players from one school to another. Now he's going to go to Colorado, and I think all eyes are going to be on uh, Colorado the next couple of years. My personal thought is at some point, this is kind of the way this works, you look at somebody like Urban Meyer, started out at Bowling Green, a small school in Ohio, eventually took a job out in Utah, kind of a similar type of school to Colorado. I think Deion Sanders is aiming in the next four to five years, if not sooner, for a big power five type of job someplace. Maybe Florida State comes available uh, in the next couple of years. Maybe Alabama. We, we pretty much all think Alabama will come available at some point. So I think this is the beginning of that transition for him. And I, I think Colorado is going to be an interesting school to watch uh, over the next few years. I, I really hope he does uh, well there. And I know he made some speeches. I didn't really uh, see all the specifics. Um, but I, I think this is a guy who college football coaches are supposed to motivate people. And I think Deion Sanders has those qualities about him to be able to motivate young players to come to Colorado and play football. He's going to get a lot of great recruits. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, maybe not this first year, because it usually is kind of hard to do that. But I wouldn't be surprised if 2024 class, 25 and, and so on, if he has a top 10 recruiting class, I, I think he's got that kind of uh, draw to him. So um, it'll be very interesting to watch and, and see where he goes. And, you know, maybe we'll still have a way to get him to come onto the program because, you know, everybody loves Deion Sanders, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, <laughs> you know, everybody, but I'm going to get to that in a second of few people don't, but, you know, I agree with you. And that's the thing. A lot of the players who saw him come in, they were got taken at back. Some of them were intimidated because Deion Sanders is a winner. He wants to win, and he demands a lot from his players. The main thing with Deion Sanders is you got to come there and compete. You got to show that you want it. You got to fight for it. You know, anytime you touch, you are, are taken by a situation in life, you either have two things. You got to fight or flight, fight or flight. Deion Sanders, if you want to go ahead and play for Colorado, you got to fight. He made that very clear. And what I would, my takeaway from this is, you know, if, if you are going to go ahead and stick around and fight for your position, guess what? You're going to have, to your point, Aaron, a great platform because he's bringing in NFL coaches. He's bringing in star recruits. If you compete for your job and you get it, you're going to have everybody looking at you. So it's a great opportunity, but you got to want it. You got to fight for it. You can't just say, you know what? This is going to be hard. I'm out. You got to go in there and say, you know what? He might be bringing a recruit, but that recruit's going to come on from Jackson State, and he's going to sit on the bench because I'm going to take his spot. You got to fight for it. You can't just take it sitting down. I think Deion Sanders, you know, to your point, Aaron, you, right here, for people who's watching YouTube Live, that's the University of South Florida, my uh, Go Bulls. That is my diploma. You know, it was either going to be here, 20, 25 minutes away from me, or in Colorado. 
Those were the, really the, the two top four, you know, front runners, you would say. He went to Colorado. I agree with you, Aaron. I think he's going to do big things there. They were one at 11, you know, and if Deontay's going to shake things up, you can't expect the same. You can't do the same thing and get, you know, a different result. You have to change things up. Don't be intimidated if you're a player. Fight for your position. What are your thoughts on the players that are like, well, I'm getting that transfer portal because I, 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 I'm – I'm intimidated, basically. Well, I, I think that that is a natural thing to happen. Uh, this is not uncommon. You, you look at other places. Wisconsin hired Luke Fickle uh, from Cincinnati, and you immediately had players deciding to leave there. Some of it sometimes is, like you said, it's their comfort zone. They, their bubble that they're in got burst. And, you know, can't fault a player for feeling that way. Um, you want to be in a place where you're comfortable. But Deion Sanders, the point I think he was making there is, look, we got to change the culture here. You go 1-11 and 11, you mentioned it very well there just a moment ago. You can't continue to do the same exact thing over and over and over again and expect a different result to occur. That's the very definition of stupidity, right? So I think, and I'm going to say this too, you and I are both old enough to remember Neon Dion, you know, the dirty bird in Atlanta in the early 90s, and he was playing baseball one, in, the, in the evening and, and football in the afternoon. You know, he took a helicopter from one game to the next, that kind of thing. This is not the same Deion Sanders from 30 years ago. Deion Sanders 30 years ago, if he, if he was the same Deion Sanders now, uh, then, then that he is, uh, sorry, now uh, that he was way back then, he wouldn't be having these conversations. We've seen Deion Sanders mature as a person more than anything over the last uh, probably 20 years. He's not, he's not the same person he used to be. Um, he, he's definitely grown in a positive way. So I'm excited for him. I really, um, I really think that he's going to do great there. Um, I think that my personal take on it, just because of the way that you typically see college football coaches go from one job to the next, I feel like Colorado is probably going to be a stepping stone position for him. I'm not saying he's going to leave it after a year, but you watch. I'm telling you right now, you watch a couple years. The coaching carousel usually starts about mid-October, sometimes a little bit earlier than that, depending on what school it is. This is a guy who I guarantee you, promise you right now, remember this night, December 9, 2022, when there's a big job coming available, Deion Sanders' name is going to come up, and I think he's going to do great things in Colorado. This first year, in 2023, I don't expect a lot. I think there'll be a, a culture change. The win-loss record may not be greatly improved, but at the same time, you can't get much worse than 1-11, so they might be a 500, maybe a 6-6 six and six type of team. But I definitely think that they are heading in the right direction, and that was a great hire for Colorado. It is. You know, it absolutely is a great hire. I think he's going to do great things there. He's going to turn around the program, you know, and to your point, a couple things I just wanted to mention is, you know, the people from the HBCUs who just basically kind of ripped them up because he left, they sold him a dream and thought he was going to be there much longer. I disagree with that because, Hey, he gave you three years with any coach. You're, you're taking a job. You're not getting married. And even marriages don't even last three years. You understand? Like, you can't expect the coach to who is successful to stick around because you want him yourself to stick around for five, 10, 15, 20 years. I know some coaches do that, but that's not the path for everybody. It's unfair to criticize him for not sticking around for, you know, for whatever he's, he's, his uh, stock is high. He took advantage of it. He's got 10 times the salary. I have no problem with it. The only issue I have with this whole thing 
is what the athletic director said was like, hey, we got Dion, but we don't have a way to pay him. We don't have the money. We'll figure it out. I'm like, you're going to figure it out. I know he's going to bring some money in, but shouldn't you have been thinking that before? Like, I don't have people do things on my house without having the money in my account. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's – for Dion's sake, I hope the man gets paid. And, wow, for the, a, the AD to admit that you don't have the money publicly, that's, that was a shocker. So, for Dion's sake, I hope he gets paid. I have no issues with it. What are your thoughts on those two things? Well, I wasn't aware of what the AD had said there. That's the yeah. first I've, I've heard of that specific part. And that's the Colorado AD, correct? Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's news to me. I hadn't heard that part of it. Yeah. Uh, busy week, of course, uh, with sports news. So first yeah. I've heard of that part of it. But, but you know, from the other side of it, it's understandable for Jackson State to, to feel somewhat a little bit betrayed. But it, let's be honest here. If Deion Sanders had gone – I'll look at this two different ways. If Deion Sanders had gone to Jackson State three years ago – and they were a middle-of-the-road team, and they were just kind of getting by. Maybe they had a winning record a couple times. I, first of all, I don't think he would have left. I think he would have stayed there until things got better, or he would have been fired, like any other situation would have been yeah. the same. Results, this is a results-driven business, right? So, you know, but at the same time, the record that he had the last uh, this year especially, you had to know that this was going to happen. And let me I'm going to pull up Dion's record here as we – discuss this further here tonight um you know I, I can understand the disappointment in the players at jackson state but again i i think you had to see the writing on the wall this is probably going to happen if not this year next year for sure i mean there was no question that there was something that was going to at some point occur and so as i mentioned before really happy for what uh coach sanders has done um to this point and i think that this is a guy where you know half of the part of being successful is thinking successfully and Alan I'll use you as an example I'm not going to say the name of the place that you and I know each other from but you and I came across each other about three years ago we'd known each other a little bit before that but you always have been the type of person who you know put positivity around and and you always say positive things and Deion Sanders is that same type of person that's that's what I see in him so um, I think that when you project a positive um mentality a positive environment these are the results that you get and just looking at Dion's record 2020 we can kind of cross out that was the COVID year four and three you look at the last two years 2021 he was 11 and two undefeated within his own division or within his own conference rather and then this year 12 and 0 uh overall with an 8 and 0 conference record um winning their conference uh, both years or at least uh, winning their division uh, each of the two years you know, you think about this, 23-2 uh, and two over a two-year span. I don't care if it's Jackson State or Polk State University football team here where I live. 12-0 and 0 or 11-2 and 2 is a heck of a season uh, for any coach. And so he, he's obviously been in the national spotlight for his own reasons for playing football and baseball in the past. But now this is a guy who, you know – I think the sky's the limit. You never know where he's going to go. I don't think he'll be at Colorado very long, folks. I'm going to say that right now, but I, I definitely uh, think that we're seeing the beginning of something really special there. I agree. I definitely agree. The guy's a winner. I love what he's doing. You know, I feel bad for some of the players who are who are intimidated or scared or whatever word you want to use, but for the ones who want to win, the ones who want to get you know recruited, 
the ones who want to make it to the NFL, they're in great shape. Because if you play on that team, I'm telling you right now to all you Colorado players, you know, fans, to, to someone who supports Colorado, if you want to make it to the NFL or do something spectacular, now you're in a position where you're going to get noticed. He brings social media. He brings a spotlight on you. You're going to get recognized if you do great things there. So don't just be quick to jump out of the water just yet. Think about it because the situation you're in is actually, it might not sound or seem good from the first meeting. If you're not used to somebody like Dion, so he can be an acquired taste of some people. But if you hang in there, there is a lot of blessings on the other end of that rainbow. So just keep that in mind. And I definitely, thanks for, for that feedback there, Aaron, on that topic. But now we're going to shift from the Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. We're going to go ahead and talk about winning drives. Tom Brady and Baker Mayfield each had a winning drive in the, in the last minute of the game. What are your thoughts on, you know, Tom Brady and Baker Mayfield doing their thing and pulling out the games? Well, you go back to Monday Night Football, um, and I, I saw a little bit of this there. Uh, six minutes left. The Saints were up, I believe it was 16-3. to three, And normally when you're down by basically a two-score game with that much time left on the clock, that's usually where you say, okay, I'm going to turn the TV off. Never count Tom Brady out. And I think this could be very well, I don't know for sure, this could be the very beginning of a run for the Buccaneers. I mean, they're, they're kind of an under-the-radar team at this point. And then last night, I mean, three days ago, who would have thought that Baker Mayfield would be playing for the Rams, you know, much, much less playing for, of course, you know, previously with the Panthers. I was a little surprised that they cut him, but I think there's a lot of bad um, – I'm not sure what the word is here, but there, there's a lot of things that didn't go right, obviously, in, in Carolina. We'll leave it at that here at this point. Uh, but for him to go out to, uh, you know, to, to Los Angeles and basically be thrown to the wolves almost right – basically right away – uh, and to have this drive, you know, I think this really, obviously he'll be watched the rest of the season, but I think this kind of reinstills in people that Baker Mayfield is still a quarterback that can have some success. Now, at the same time, I'm just going to throw this out there. They were playing the Raiders. Raiders are not a very good football team. I personally think that Josh McDaniels, he may have saved his job at one point, And now I think this is probably the thing that's going to cost him his job. I think he's going to be fired um, possibly this off season. If not, he's going to be, going into 2023 on a very, very hot seat. Uh, but good for Baker Mayfield. This is a guy that a lot of people coming out of college at Oklahoma said, oh, you're not going to be a good quarterback. You're going to be just another run-of-the-mill guy. Um, a lot of doubters and haters in Cleveland. I never could understand that. He gets traded in the offseason, finally gets uh, picked up by the Panthers after the debacle that Cleveland uh, allowed to happen there. And then things just didn't go well in Carolina. It was just a bad situation from the get-go. Maybe this is the best thing that's happened to him uh, is the fact that he got cut and he got picked up by another team and had some good things happen to him right away. We'll have to wait and see. As for Tom Brady, um, I mean, look at the last 20, what, 22 years and, and what he's been able to do. He's, you know, statistically speaking, the greatest quarterback of all time, greatest Super Bowl quarterback of all time. Does not surprise me. Until this guy is actually done, he's hung up his cleats, he's taken his helmet and his shoulder pads off, I will not doubt him because of what he was able to accomplish the other night. I don't care if you're playing a team like uh, the Saints, who are not very good. You still had to come back and win, and he did a great job there, down 13 points with uh, about five minutes and 42 seconds left, coming back and winning that game. Good job, Tom. Yeah, I, I, 
couldn't agree with you more. That that was uh, some some. I mean, sixteen to three, the man for the fifty five minutes. I actually was feeling bad for Tom. I was like, man, Tom, you had one more interception than you had touchdown. One interception, no touchdowns. It was looking real lethargic, the offense. And I was actually like, man, you came back, you know, for this? You came back out of retirement for this? I was like, and I wanted him to come back. And I was like, <laughs> I was feeling guilty, like, oh, man, I shouldn't have spoken into existence. But, man, at the 55-minute mark, Tom Brady showed up and he showed out. And he showed us once again, you can't, you, to your point, you can't count him out. It was just, it was just amazing what he did in the last five minutes to get two touchdowns. And I felt watching the game that, you know, they actually played better during that time because they didn't think about it. I felt like sometimes they were overthinking plays. They were being a little too cute, I think. And just instead of just maybe handing the ball off or just doing a play, they were overthinking. The fact that that last five minutes, they didn't overthink. They just went ahead and reacted and just did was phenomenal. And to be doing that at 45 years of age, 45 years young, it's really remarkable. And I don't know what the future beholds for Tom Brady, but that was one heck of a win to pull it out that way. I was like, man, I, I want to, it made me think at the end of the game, does Tom Brady, does he do this for the theatrics for the, for the last couple of minutes? You know, and, and for Baker Mayfield. I was just so happy for him because he's had an up and down career. He's had more downs and ups. You know, he was the guy that was, uh, but one thing that I would have to say, he really played phenomenal and to get the win in less than 48 hours or 48 hours against a, a tough opponent, the Rams, because when I say tough opponent, they haven't played well. The, the Raiders, the Raiders have been up and down, but they played pretty good that game. And I felt like they played well enough to win the game, but there was two bowhead errors. But I got to say, Baker Mayfield, I'm happy for him. He did his thing. And, you know, one of the things you got to give him credit for is being humble. It sounds to me when he got to that podium, he was very humble, something that we haven't seen from him. But I'm glad that he showed that he can be humble. Yeah, I think maybe that was the thing that was missing in his game over the last uh, several years. Obviously, you know, you come out of college, you go to a team like Cleveland who has had quarterback after quarterback after quarterback, and then you get replaced by a guy who's suspended for the first 13 or 11 games of the year, whatever it was. That's not a good feeling to have. And then you go to a place like Carolina who had three or four quarterbacks that were all former top pick type of players. players. You, you, you kind of you're, you're jumping out of one frying pan into the next one kind of thing, and then you get a situation like L.A., and I don't know if he's going to be there long. This might just be a short-term thing. But you go to a team that comes off winning the Super Bowl. They're not playing very well this year. Their star quarterback is out for the season with an injury. And you're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to make the most of this situation. So at this point, at least you may be attractive to other teams who might want to pursue you as a, a starter next season. You never know. And there's going to be a number of places that may be quarterback uh, hunting. You know, you think about San Francisco, you think about possibly, um, you know, Houston. Um, oddly enough, if he went there, it'd be him kind of replacing Deshaun Watson, who took his spot in Cleveland. Um, but, you know, there's a number of places where he could potentially be um, considered uh, at least a contender for that spot. And, again, I think him kind of 
eating some humble pie, if you will, kind of uh, has set him up for possible success in the future. It's one game, so we don't know how he's going to play the rest of the year. But if he can continue to kind of put himself in the position he's in right now, I think there could be good things happening for him going forward. Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to set himself up. It was a great addition, great start. I mean, phenomenal start, a great addition at what he can do if he's, you know, he's your quarterback. He still has skills and talent. I wouldn't just, you know, write him off just yet. And after the way he played, I was wondering why did Carolina let him go, you know? Maybe he needed that, you know, to, to go ahead and venture out. But kudos to Baker Mayfield and the Brady for both doing their thing. In fact, they both deserve a round of applause. So we're doing an outstanding job here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show. In fact, we're going to discuss the picks now. So let's do that. Let's go over our picks for the week. And again, I'll let you say it, Aaron, about betting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, we are amateurs in this uh, arena of uh, of making picks. Both of us have had some good weeks and some bad weeks. We're about uh, even. I think you're actually pulling ahead of me now. Um, in the last uh, week or so. Uh, but, no, we, we definitely do not encourage you to use our picks as uh, betting material. Um, certainly wanted to note that here at the beginning of our uh, selections here for this week. However, if you do win a large sum of money, we certainly do take donations here on the program. And uh, not those, though, from Frank Collars, who called in to us earlier. But we do appreciate uh, the fact that you gave us a call here this evening. So we'll start off with our picks here. Neither of us were successful last night. I had the Raiders. I don't know why I picked them. That was a terrible pick. I'm sure you feel the same way. The Rams ended up winning last night. So we're both 0 for 1 to start it off. But let's go ahead and look at the first game uh, Sunday. You have the 10-2 and 2 Vikings. They're going to run away with the uh, NFC North. They're playing the Lions, who are 5-7. and seven. Lions are actually a much better team than that 5-7 record indicates. Six of those seven losses by, uh, were by less than a touchdown. Um, so I would say Detroit's probably the best 5-7 and seven team in the league right now. However, I'm going to pick the Vikings here on Sunday. What do you got? Yeah, I, I agree. You know, what ended up happening is you're right. The Lions are the real deal. They're not like the Lions we've been used to seeing. They are actually a very good team. I love what they're doing there. Jamal Williams is doing his thing. Very, very good team. But I agree with you. I just think that they're doing great. But to beat the team like the Vikings, it, it's not an easy task. I just think the Vikings has just a little bit too many weapons, so I agree with you. I have the Vikings winning that game. All right. Next game is uh, the Ravens, who are 8-4, and four, and they are going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are ironically also 5-7, and seven, just like the Lions are. Uh, I actually have this as an upset pick for this week. I have the Steelers winning. A lot of that has to do with the fact that the Steelers, I don't know if you watched any of the game they played against Atlanta this past week. They really – seemed to gel as a team. They played a, a Atlanta team that really came back, and Pittsburgh had two late uh, – or one late stand there that allowed them to win. Um, it was kind of like they were playing for Mike Tomlin. Um, and in this case, also the Ravens are going to be without Lamar Jackson. Um, got injured here. That's a whole other story we can talk about for another time, but I'm going to pick the Steelers in this game as an upset on Sunday. This one was a tough pick. I agree with you. I just think that the Steelers, I wouldn't be surprised if they won. But I did I did notice that Huntley did play really well in 
and Lamar's absence before. The Ravens have a solid defense. This was a, one of the toughest picks. But I, I, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Ravens. I just have a feeling that they need to, to win this game. The Things are slipping away from them. Steelers are pretty much out of it. The only thing the Steelers really can play for is to have a 500 record so that Mike Tomlin can keep that streak going. I hope he does keep the streak. But I just feel as if Huntley is going to play really well this week against the Steelers. He's going to be really motivated. And I just think Ravens is going to win in a very close, tight game. All right, then you get the Browns at five and seven uh, with Deshaun Watson now um, able to you know fully play, and then they're going on the road to uh, Cincinnati to play the Bengals, uh, who are eight and four. And I told you this uh, earlier this week. I was watching some of that game last uh, Sunday between Cincinnati and Kansas City. I think Cincinnati is coming on strong now. They kind of picked the right time last year to get hot, and I think they're doing it again this year. I have the Bengals over. Uh, in-state rival uh, Cleveland on Sunday. Yeah, I agree with you on this one here. I I do think it's a tough matchup for both teams. It's going to be a great game, but I do think the Bengals are going to do their thing. Joe Burrow is my guy, so I I got (laughs) Joe Cool-witted against uh, against the Browns. All right, and then you have the uh, 7-5 New York Jets. Uh, going up to Buffalo to play the 9-3 and three Buffalo Bills. This is a great divisional matchup um, between these two teams. I have Buffalo winning this game largely in part because they're a little bit more experienced. They've got the uh, uh, last couple of years under their belt, and, of course, they're playing this game in upstate New York there. Uh, who do you have on Sunday? You, you have you – have, what team you have on that game? Let me double-check. I'm sorry. I have, uh, I have Buffalo on that one. Yep, with you. I just think the Bills are the Jets are doing great things, but I just think the Bills are one of the best teams in this league at this point. They're clicking with Josh Allen. I, I have the Bills winning too. All right, another in-state rival here. You got the Houston Texans, who are one ten and one. That's like a locker combination uh, record they have right there. Uh, they're going to play uh, in Big D. The Cowboys, who are nine and three. I actually have this as my lock, uh, one of my lock picks this week. The Cowboys uh, win it on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with you on that. I have the Cowboys winning that game, and I, I feel as if this game is going to be a game that the Cowboys show out, show up, and show out. I, I got the Cowboys uh, with you. I agree with you too on the lock pick. It's one of my lock picks. I, I just think that the Cowboys are way too much. I agree, and I think they're starting to get uh, things really. Uh, set up for a uh, good playoff run for them as well. Uh, the team that's leading that division, though, is the 11-1 and Philadelphia Eagles. And I heard a statistic uh, watching them play this past Sunday that every year they've started off the season 10-1. and They've ended up in the Super Bowl. So the Eagles are going on the road to play another uh, divisional rival here, in this case the uh, New York football Giants, who are 7-4-1. and And I got the Eagles winning this game. I think it's going to be a good – punch uh, matchup, but I have Philadelphia winning this game as I see them as right now the favorites in the NFC. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely do think the Eagles are going to do their thing. I have them as one of the favorites in the NFC too. And the Giants are going to put up a very good fight, but I just think that the Eagles have just too many weapons. And I just think that the Eagles are going to handle that business and beat them, the Giants. All right, and then we've got the uh, the Jaguars, who are 
four uh, and eight uh, on the year going to play against the uh, Tennessee Titans seven and five. I have uh, the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I agree with you on that one too. I feel as if that the Titans are a very good team. I think Derek Henry is going to do his thing. The Jaguars have been playing really well though. I will give them a lot of credit. This was actually a tougher pick too, but I agree with you. I just think that Titans really need to win this game and they're going to pull it out. I have the Titans winning too. All right, the Chiefs are 9-3. and three. They are basically running away with yet another AFC West title. They're going on the road to play the Broncos in Denver. Denver is probably, I would say, at least in the AFC, if not the entire league, the most disappointing team this year with the 3-9 and nine record. I picked the Chiefs as a lock pick here on Sunday. I actually have that as a lock pick too. I just think the Broncos have been a team that have been very, very disappointing to say the least. And if this was a team that was really playing up to par, especially on the offensive end, this actually would have been a game. I just don't think that – I think the defense is going to do pretty good for the Broncos, but I just think the Chiefs are just going to do what they do and just wipe them out. All right, then we've got the Panthers at 4-8. and eight. Uh, Another very disappointing team, of course. They're heading out to Seattle to play the 7-5 and five Seattle Seahawks, who are still, of course, in a uh, fight for – their playoff lives. I have the Seahawks uh, there on Sunday winning. Yeah, I agree with you too. I, I have the Seahawks beating the Panthers. They are dealing with a few injuries with the Panthers. Plus they don't have Baker Mayfield now. I just think that they're a team that's really underperformed this year. And I think the Seahawks are in a position where they need to continue to win. So I got the Seahawks winning too. All right, we've got the Battle of the Bays next. Uh, of course, your Buccaneers at 6-6, six and six, uh, hanging on to that top spot in the NFC South. Uh, they are heading on the road to play. Probably one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now, the 49ers, who are 8-4. and four. 49ers just lost uh, Jimmy Garoppolo for what may be the rest of the year. We don't know for sure yet. He, he's getting a second opinion. Um, I feel like the 49ers are the NFC's version of where the Bengals are right now. So I feel like this is going to be a really good juggernaut game, but I have the 49ers pulling it out here on Sunday out there in California. This one, actually, I have as an upset. I just think the Bucks are coming on strong. The reason why I think the Bucks have an advantage is because there's no Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, he had that unfortunate injury. A new quarterback is going to be playing. I know that they have a great running game, but I just feel as if the Bucks defense is good enough where if they just need one or two turnovers, which I do think feel as if they can get that from a backup quarterback, I feel as if Tom Brady also is going to be super motivated to win this game. The 49ers dissed him not once, but twice of getting Tom Brady to, to be a player for them. But they basically, to make a long story short, they told Tom Brady, now thank you, but no thank you, two times. And I know he has a chip on his shoulder because of that. The Bucks are going to play as hard as they can. And because of that reason, I feel like they're going to pull up an upset and beat the 49ers. All right, then you get the 8-4 uh, and four Dolphins coming off a loss to the 49ers this past weekend. They are heading out to Los Angeles to play the 6-6 six and six Chargers. This is another really good game. Two uh, rising star quarterbacks uh, for both teams. I just feel like Miami right now, especially if they're getting beat last week, they are going to get back in the win column. So I have the Miami Dolphins winning on Sunday. 
Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think the Chargers are doing very good, but the Dolphins, they just have Tyreek Hill. They have Waddle, who is doing his thing, you know. <laughs> and I just think the Dolphins got really nice swag this year. I love their coach, too. <laughs> their coach is really cool. So I, I agree with you. I got the Dolphins winning, too. Final game is uh, next Monday night It is the – uh, New England Patriots, who are at 6-6 six and six and uh, definitely need a win to get above 500 and stay in the playoff hunt. And they're going uh, out to uh, Arizona to play the Cardinals, who are right now at 4-8, and eight, uh, which I expect a lot of changes to happen in Arizona. That's another, uh, another story for another time. I have the Patriots over the Cardinals here on Monday Night Football. Yeah, that one was a, a tough pick as well, just because, you know, the Cardinals are streaky. But I just think with the fact that – let me just double-check something here. Okay, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins is going to play. One thing about Bill Belichick, he takes away your number one weapon. The number one weapon for the Cardinals is D-Hop. You know, and I just think DeAndre Hopkins, I think I think Bill, Bill Parcells uh, – Bill Parcells. Bill Belichick is going to go ahead and take away their number <laughs> one option, which is uh, D-Hop. And I think he's going to – I think the Patriots are going to have a great game plan against them. It's hard for me to pick the Cardinals against the Patriots because of who they are. So I do think the Patriots are going to make it a slow, grind-it-out type game, and I think the Patriots are going to win. All right, and then we have uh, six teams. This is their bye week, week 14 coming up. So we have the Commanders and the Packers, Bears and Falcons, Saints and Colts. Those are all six teams who are in their bye week here in the uh, – 14th week of the NFL season. Again, those are our picks for the week. Uh, We definitely do not encourage you to use them for any betting, uh, as I mentioned before. Um, So uh, definitely do not do that. But again, if you do win a large sum of money, we do take donations here on the program. Uh, Moving right (laughs) along, uh, this has been a great show tonight. I I actually would say uh, a little biased here, even with a prank caller uh, earlier this evening. This has been one of our best shows ever. we talked yeah. uh, football, baseball. We'll be kind of back and forth here tonight between the two sports. Um, this has been a huge week uh, in the baseball world. Of course, uh, last Sunday evening, we got the uh, official announcement that the crime dog, Fred McGriff, is heading to the Hall of Fame. I want to say congratulations to him one more time. He's definitely well-deserving of it. But the winter meetings were going on out in San Diego uh, earlier this week. Uh, this is the time of year where the big signings happen, the trades start to occur, some of that stuff will still continue to go on for the players that didn't sign or didn't get traded. But I've got to go through some names here with you. Uh, just going right down the list, you have Aaron Judge getting $360 million over uh, nine years with the Yankees. He goes back to New York. That was actually not the top offer uh, reportedly that was out there. He's going to make $40 million a year um, to continue to play the outfield there for the Yankees. Um, Justin Verlander signs a two-year $86 million contract with the New York Mets. So right off the bat, both uh, New York clubs have improved uh, drastically. Well, I wouldn't say they've improved. But I'd say the Yankees are going to still at least be continued to where they were before. But the Mets add this additional arm to their rotation. Now, they did lose Jacob deGrom. He signed, of course, uh, last week with the Texas Rangers. Um, just want to get your thoughts on those three uh, findings right there. What are your thoughts on, uh, first of all, Judge going back to New York? And then Verlander uh, making a beeline uh, from Houston now up to uh, to the Big Apple. Yeah, with Aaron Judge, I- I'm glad he took the the Yankees offer. I really thought the day 
that the announcement came about, which was later in the late afternoon that Judge did take re-sign with the Yankees, I honestly thought he was going to go to the Giants. You know, there was a couple of bees that came up with him wearing a Giants uniform. And not only that, it, it just seemed like he brought up the fact that Cashman let some of the details of their agreement out in the public, and he was kind of mad about it, kind of similar to what they did with Jerry Jeter. And I, I kind of disagree with Aaron on that. I'm like, listen, that's business. You are the, the name of the franchise right now. If the Yankees feel as if there was no real offer on the table, the fans think that way, guess what? They're not going to be happy. But if they tell, hey, we offered them 250, $250 million or 260 whatever it is, and he wanted to shop around, hey, you know, I'm sorry your feelings got hurt for that. And same, same thing happened to Derek. But, hey, it, it's business. You can't just say we, we offered him something and then people are like, okay, well, offer could be you gave him $50 million or $100 million. Well, no, we gave him $260 million and he wanted to shop around. Okay, well, you know, me as a Yankee fan, if you offer someone $260 million or 250 or 280 and they don't want to take it, well, guess what? You you can't make someone sign, and it is what it is. You understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. if you want to shop around or, or, or get more money, it is what it is. I'm sorry that Aaron felt this way, but this is how signing a business works. What are your thoughts on that aspect alone right there, Aaron? No, I mean, you hit the head, uh, nail on the head on that part of it. Uh, that is how it works. And I looked at um, – there's a resource I used here. I looked at what the offer was the Yankees made to him. I think it was either late last year or before spring training of this year. So you look at what he got, nine years, $360 million. That's $40 million, uh, average annual value. And the previous offer, and this is where it paid off, uh, fortunately for him, to bet on himself. The previous offer was about $216, uh, $216 million for seven years, which would have put him around – 30 or 31 million a year if I'm doing the math correct there so you know he made himself an extra nine million a year and he got an extra two years on top of the previous offer that was made so um I I think some of this uh, honestly I mean it's all gonna wash out at some point no one's gonna really think about all these extra things that went on some of the extracurricular stuff the thing I was reading about here just a few minutes ago just kind of going through some of the the most recent news San Diego apparently had a 400 million dollar plus offer on yeah. the table for, uh, they did. For, for Aaron Judge. And that would have been incredible because they ended up landing uh, the shortstop, Xander Bogarts, who had been with the Boston Red Sox before. He got a, I think it was a nine-year deal. Uh, and then you have uh, Trey Turner, who signed an 11-year, $300 million deal with the Philadelphia Phillies. Been a lot of big money spent this week. In fact, over a billion dollars, uh, actually closer to $2 billion probably at this point, has been spent um, on these contracts over the last uh, few days. And there's still some names out there. You've got uh, Dansby Swanson. Um, you've got uh, Carlos Correa. Um, the Yankees are reportedly at least uh, checking in on Correa uh, as potentially their uh, shortstop. Um, I think there's going to be a few other places. He still, I think, is at the top of the list for the Giants. Uh, we'll see what happens. I think by the time we have our show next Friday, both of those players I just mentioned will probably have been signed. And then usually what happens is a domino effect, of course, when you start to see, okay, these guys aren't available for signing anymore, then teams start to get creative and they say, hey, who is out there potentially available for trade? And I think you're going to see some big blockbusters happen over the next probably two 
to three weeks before the end of the year. No, I agree. You know, that's, that's what's going to end up happening. And, and you're right with that, that deal that they offered Aaron, it was two days before he had signed with the Yankees and he was saying how he was upset with what Brian Cashman said. Mm-hmm. I know that the Yankees weren't going to go at 400 million. I just knew that for a fact. So I was like, you know what? He's going to probably sign in San Diego. He's going to probably sign with San Diego or the Giants because they both gave an offer of 400 million is what I understood. And I was like, he, he's upset and he's using that as a reason to be upset. Plus they offered him more money. He's probably going to be gone, you know, which I don't think would have been a smart move for him, even though they were giving him more money. When you, you know, as well as I do, Aaron, when you go to a national league and you go to a new situation, it doesn't necessarily versus the Yankees where you have a small batter, you know, you have a small bandbox of a, of a, of a ballpark. When you go to something mm-hmm. like, you know, another ballpark, it's a lot bigger and you, you're going to probably lose like 10 home runs a year. So I was like, I don't oh, think that's a good thing. And, and let, let's be, let's be honest on this part of it, you know, 62 home runs, which he hit this season, that's probably going to be the most he ever hits in his, his career in a single season. He, typically you don't see guys get to the sixties or even the high fifties and have a better year numbers wise over that. I would disagree. I think it, I'm not saying that San Francisco is a better place for or better situation for him to go to than where he ended up staying in New York. But I think of all the places he could have gone, I think San Francisco would have been a great place. And there's a few reasons why I say that that actually is a park. I think he could do very well in hitting wise um, to left field there. If he uses the whole park and goes to right, I think he'd hit, he'd get some home runs that he wouldn't get in other places. Uh, but also, you think about the spotlight of playing in the Big Apple, the biggest team. I mean, you go to other parts of the world and you hear Major League Baseball in the United States, the first thing people say is the New York Yankees, right? So it, it, you're under the microscope there in New York. If you have a bad week or even a bad couple of games in New York, doesn't that matter if it's the Mets or the Yankees? People are going to start writing bad things about you. The media is going to start talking negatively about you. Is this going to be a recurring theme? Did they sign this guy to too big a contract? Is he going to underperform now that he's making $40 million a year? You don't have that out in San Francisco. You probably don't even really have that out in San Diego either. You're going to hear people say things like that, but it's not going to echo quite as far as it is in New York. So I think that the situation from a pressure perspective, he would have been better off going out to California. At the same time, if they had signed him for $400 million, over that same stretch of time, making that much more money per year, you're still going to have your, your negative people out there who are going to make you know, whatever comments are made. So, um, but I, I think ultimately, um, ultimately, my personal opinion is, I think he was flattered by these offers that were supposedly out there from the Giants and the Padres, and there might have been one other one mixed in there. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you like I think it is, I think he wanted to stay with the Yankees. I don't think there's any question about it. And unless they didn't engage him, and he felt unwanted overall, I don't think it was going to happen where he went anywhere else but staying where he was at. No, I agree. I think he really wanted to stay with the Yankees. And I think he looks up a guy like Derek and being a captain and having a legacy there and being with the same team for many, many years, I think that played a big factor in it too. You know, I think the money is great and everything, but I think legacy was something that was important to him. And ultimately he decided to stay with the Yankees, which is a great deal for him. That's important you're already building a legacy right now. Just continue to do your thing. I agree with you also on that. I just don't think, you know, 62 home runs something that a fan can expect to see every year. It's just 
That was a magical season. He got the MVP. He was the MVP, but I can't expect him to do that every year. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, I mean, think about how many guys have had, you know, back to back or multiple sixty home run seasons. I can name two of them that have ever done it. It was, you know, Sosa and McGuire in ninety eight, ninety nine. It's never happened before then, and it's never happened after then. So, to have that type of number uh, expected, I think you're looking at a guy who. I think usually you're going to want to see 40 to 45 home runs out of him a year. He's an elite hitter. He's an elite power hitter. Um, you know, 120 RBIs is what I consider an elite season. And, you know, as long as he can stay healthy, that was a big thing about him prior to this year. You always knew he could put up big numbers, whether it was 62 home runs or, you know, 50 home runs. You always knew he could put up big numbers. It's just a situation where he couldn't stay healthy. So that'd be my one concern about this contract. For a guy who's is he 29 or 30, whatever whatever he is now, is he going to be able to stay healthy that entire time? Based on previous contracts of this magnitude, and obviously this is the biggest one that's ever been signed, um, at least in terms of the overall money, most likely towards the end of that contract, there'll be three, two or three, maybe even four years where he's not getting um, the numbers that earned him that contract, but that's the price you pay. Sometimes you give them that length of a contract. And a lot of times guys want that length because they want to have that stability knowing, Hey, I'm not going into year five or year six wondering what is my future? Am I going to get, you know, is is this team going to let me go? And then I'm out there, you know, fending for myself for the uh, last three or four years of my career. So I think it's a good fit. Um, I think you're going to see, this is a Hall of Fame player in my opinion. I don't think there's any question about it. He's, he's been, uh, certainly the best representation of the Yankees since Jeter and, and of course, Mariano Rivera, two Hall of Famers, and I think this is another Hall of Famer. And I'm not going to go as far as to say greatest Yankee of all time, but I think he's going to put himself in very, very close proximity to that position. No, I agree. He just he, – the, the world's in front of him. He just got to stay healthy, stay hungry, stay humble like he's doing, and just keep moving forward. I, I – Right, he's going to put himself up there as one of the greats of the Yankees, and the sky's the limit. He kid is uh, doing his thing. He's uh, definitely showing people that, you know, if you model the right people and you work hard and you stay humble, great things can happen. And I'm glad he got his contract. I'm glad we, the Yankees got that out of the way. They don't have to worry about it, and it, you know we can move forward. And you asked me about Justin Verlander. You know what? I was the one who told you that Justin Verlander is still going to get paid and he's still doing his thing. I think that's an amazing sign for the Mets. I just see him doing so well for the Mets because he he can really pitch. Justin Verlander is, is a stud of a pitcher. And the Mets really did a great job by getting, you know, some, some definitely another arm. And I'm definitely a fan of Justin Verlander and his, his play. I think he's the real deal. I know that this is a switch to go to, you know, the National League, but I just think that he actually will probably do even better in the National League because the guys haven't seen him a lot. Of, well, a lot of them haven't seen him, and I just think he's going to just be uh, even more potent. I definitely think he could play solid for at least another two, three, maybe even four years. He's he's a he's son of a player, so I think I think he's going to do big things there. What are your thoughts on Justin? Yeah, this is a great, uh, great signing. And also, you know, the fact that I think that it's only a two-year deal 
you know, you're almost 40 years old. You're not going to get longer than that most likely. So this is really, in my opinion, the Mets trying to catch lightning in a bottle. Um, yeah. You know, they, they, they definitely, I mean, obviously they're well financed there in New York uh, with uh, their ownership uh, group they have now. Uh, but I look at it this way. They feel like they have a team who can win the World Series in the next two years. And those next two years they have, both Verlander as well as Max Scherzer there, not to mention the other parts of the rotation. Now, they did lose, as I mentioned earlier, they did lose Jacob deGrom, but deGrom is, he wasn't always going to be considered a healthy pitcher. Uh, he missed part of this past season, so uh, there's a risk that the Rangers took in finding him from a health perspective. Uh, but, you know, I think the Mets are in great position. I think they have, I think they have the best chance to challenge Atlanta this coming season, just like they did this year. Uh, they finished with a tie record, but Atlanta, of course, uh, had the better head-to-head matchup record, which is what put them over the top there. be interesting to see what happens. It'll be interesting to, to look at both uh, both Scherzer and uh, Verlander, especially when we get to late in the season, when those guys have thrown 180 to 200 innings or more where they are. Um, you start sitting these guys down to prepare for the playoffs. My one concern about Verlander would be this. He, had Tommy John surgery uh, just a little more than a year ago, which is what, of course, kept him out for most of 2021. Is that going to rear its ugly head? That does happen sometimes. Um, some guys come back and they're even stronger and they never have any problems again. The thing about uh, Scherzer that I'm concerned about is we saw this happen this year and, of course, last year when he was with the Dodgers. After the trade occurred, he had dead arm, which uh, for those of you who are not familiar with that, as a former pitcher, and I played some third base as well in there, it's exactly as it sounds. Your arm just you can't you can't do anything. Your arm is basically dead, and uh, we saw that happen with uh, with Scherzer uh, last year and a little bit this year as well. Is that going to come back and potentially rear its ugly head? You know, when we get to the end of September into October of next year, I still think they have a great rotation. They have a, a team that I think you know a one-two punch of those two guys takes you back to think about 20 years ago when you had uh, uh, Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson out there in Arizona. This could be a really, really special thing that the Mets have going moving forward. And then they, of course, also signed, uh, uh, I believe it was Brandon Nimmo, to an eight-year deal, uh, their outfielder there. So um, they're in a really good position there in New York. I think they have a chance to really do some great things this year coming up. Absolutely. I think they're doing great things. The Mets are starting to turn, turn the, the tide, and it's starting to come really well out there. It's going to be interesting with those two guys, Swerdzer and Verlander. You know, they're going to be competing, too, against each other. And I think there's big things in the Mets. I did want to go ahead and wish one of our, speaking of Mets, one of our former guests here definitely a get well wishes. And that would be to Daryl Strawberry. He just had a, you know, like it looked like a figure dislocation. And I saw a little clip of that right before he got his surgery. They're going to straighten out his uh, arm, his finger, and his finger was in bad shape. He put, he showed it, and he, it, the, the surgery was successful, but I just wish him well on on a speedy recovery, and I, the, I wish the best for him. I know I saw it actually on his wife's post first, and then I saw it on Daryl's right after. But, yeah, definitely get well soon, Daryl Strawberry, and do your thing. Uh, we we – Hope that you can start signing autographs soon. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, there, Daryl. Hopefully, uh, things do go really quickly for your speedy recovery there. So, 
Uh, as we uh, wrap up our program here tonight, this is a historic show for the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio podcast. Uh, first time we've uh, simulcast our show. Uh, of course, my face isn't on there, which is probably a good thing. It's probably a benefit to our show that you're not able to see me. Um, but Alan, uh, of course, uh, has been um, the face of our show or one of the faces of our show for the last almost three years now. So we're very, uh, very happy to have been able to not only do this, but of course, uh, play um, the new song here this evening, Let's Watch Some Football. That was a really cool thing to hear. I'm looking forward to hearing it again. That's a jingle that's going to be in my, uh, in my mind for a long, long time. Uh, we have some, uh, some golf and boxing news to, uh, to go over here this evening. Alan, go ahead with that. Yeah, it's in, in the golf world. I just simply wanted to tell golfers, hey, I've seen a couple of fights on the golf course of guys losing their cool and things turning really bad, fighting their partner. I've been seeing that trend a lot over the last couple of weeks. I just want to tell you guys, remember this. Golf is a gentleman's game. It is a gentleman's game. I know it's a hard game to play. It is very difficult, and it's extremely frustrating. But you have to control your emotions. You cannot go out there and just break clubs, want to fight people on a golf course. I think it's getting out of hand. I wanted to make sure that you guys take a deep breath and enjoy the game. Enjoy the atmosphere. You're out in nature. You're out having fun, getting fresh air, exercise. Remember, you're working on your game. It doesn't happen overnight. Chill out. Stop with the fights. Stop with the nonsense. Play the game and enjoy it. Stop trying to fight. And also, stop trying to discredit people who do something great. I see that, too, that I wanted to bring up is that if somebody hits a shot and it goes in the hole and it's a hole in one, Stop nickel and diving saying, oh, you didn't play the whole round. Uh, you, you, I, I don't know if that shot's really true or it, it, was just a, it was just an easy shot or it's a hole-in-one, okay? It is what it is. It's hard to get a hole-in-one, but it, is, it can happen. A girl had posted a video that she was getting instructions from a golf instructor, probably her first or second lesson. She hit the shot and went in the hole. It was on video by the instructor who was giving her lessons, filming her, you know, based on her posture. She hit it in the hole. Stop hating. Okay? Celebrate. Don't hell him. Don't don't uh, don't hate. What are your thoughts on what I just said, Aaron? Yeah, I mean I don't know. It seems a little a uh, little absurd that that would happen. Um but no, nice nice for her of course to make the shot on uh what sounds like again you said her first uh first or second lesson. Um Sounds like a little jealousy there uh, on the other side of yeah. it, though. <laughs> I agree. Um, That's what it is. And, you know, I, let me just kind of speak to the uh, the masses here tonight. I believe earlier in our program uh, we had someone who is jealous of our program uh, decide to call in and try to play a little bit of um, let's uh, break up the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk radio podcast show by pranking a call. Good good job. I'll give, I'll give you credit for – for at least getting our attention. But um, if you're going to uh, make uh, gestures of that nature, uh, certainly it shows that you're jealous. And, you know, we certainly don't mind that. But <laughs> at the same time, yeah. <laughs> um, at, the same, at the same time, uh, pr- pretty crude. Um, I just want to throw that out there. I'm pretty positive I know who it was that made that, uh, that phone call here to us earlier uh, this evening. And um, just want to say this, uh, you're not welcome on the program anymore. Uh, we don't uh, – 
condone I don't mind a prank call here and there, but we don't condone some of the things that you were uh, going into here earlier this evening. Definitely not going to um, not going to uh, take too kindly to that. So, um, you know, mind your own uh, mind your own audio and mind your own show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know exactly who this is. You know, the person on Twitter who was, you know, criticizing us about our audio. Our audio sounds really good. You see, I got a professional mic. If you're watching the YouTube live stream right now, you can see that I have a professional mic. Hey, you know, you don't have to be, don't be a hater in life. That's what we're talking about in this golf. You, you, you see, I gave an opportunity to Sam Scola and I played his song. He asked me to do it. He played, the reason why I bring this up, because he's written over 1,600 songs on Spotify. And the reason why it's important is that he said himself, he had many op- uh, possibilities, but no one helped him out. In life, you, you sometimes got to help people out. And, you know, you don't have to be a hater. You don't have to be a hater. You get more by giving than hating. I, I think people should understand that. And also, I just want to touch, you know, great point that you brought that up on that Jerry Sandusky thing. At the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show, we don't condone anything that Jerry Sandusky has done. If you want to get more details on that, watch the documentary, and you will see that it's pretty despicable behavior. It really is. I definitely want to give my sincere apologies to anybody who actually has been affected by Jerry Sandusky. That is something that no one should have to deal with. No parent, no, nobody. I don't care if you're a friend, family member, your friend, you know him in a circle. I, I definitely, my heart goes out to you. I see the documentary is very powerful, very moving. That is a very crude joke. If you don't like our audio, so be it. But to bring up something like that on a platform of this nature and a public forum is really, really despicable. I agree with Aaron on everything he's saying. Really low of the low. Hey, microphones can be fixed. That, you know, we started off two and a half years ago. We've gotten a long way to where we're at. You you know, we're getting better and better. And we're getting one step at a time. We will get there. Trust me. So if you're jealous now, you're going to be extremely jealous because we're just getting warmed up, <laughs> but <laughs> we're on our way. So we got a request from Sam to play his song, his debut song. And that's what happens when you're, when you're a positive person, positive things happen to you. I really appreciate Sam for reaching out to us. People had opportunities before me, obviously. They didn't give him an opportunity. I am so flattered and humbled and honored that he gave us an opportunity on our show to debut his song on our first YouTube live stream. I have never done a YouTube live stream. I, I'm actually a little nervous to do it a YouTube live stream because it is live and you can see me. I, you know, I can't be in my pajamas like I would with Aaron, but <laughs> <laughs> that's innovation, you know, getting better. That's what we're doing today is the day, a step in the right direction of us getting better as a show. Absolutely. And again, uh, for many reasons, as I mentioned before, uh, look back on December 9th, 2022 as uh, really a turning point here on the program. I want to thank, of course, uh, our good buddy Lou for reaching out here to us this evening. wanted to also let everyone know um, as we approach uh, Christmas and New Year's next Friday, which is December 16th, 2022, that will be our final show for the 2022 calendar year uh, as we will take off uh, the uh, Friday following which is december 23rd and then also of course uh december 
uh, 30th. That's the uh, final Friday of the 2022 calendar year. But we will return in uh, uh, basically about a month from now uh, on uh, January 6th, 2023. That'll be our first show of the new year. So one more show to go, folks, in the 2022 yeah. year. Content next week, a lot of good things to discuss. want to also thank our excellent sponsor who has uh, been along for the, the great ride that we've been on the last year or so. And that is, of course, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting. You may need a support group tonight. We entertained uh, many, many people, and we're very happy to have been able to do so. And, uh, of course, many thanks to Chef G for being a part of that as well. So for Lou and for Alan, this is Aaron signing off. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you.